Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of the Commercial Real Estate 101 Meetup Group. Uh, for those of you guys who are tuning in for the first time, we've actually created this group back in mid-2020 uh, to try to essentially become the go-to resource for all commercial real estate uh, topics. Uh, we've been running this every other week. We've invited speakers uh, to talk about a variety of different topics pertaining to commercial real estate. And today, we have a, a good friend of mine locally, also business partner in, in a venture we're doing, uh, but he is also the CEO of Premise Construction, a uh, general contracting and construction company here locally to Louisville, Kentucky. And so today we wanted to talk about a subject that I think is very pertinent. It's going to be pertinent in the future as well. It's restaurant buildouts. Um, you know, he's done, uh, he has quite a bit of experience in that space. And I also worked uh, with franchises, especially in the QSR space. And so these are type of topics that come up on a regular basis. And we figured this would be a probably good opportunity for, you know, whether you're a business owner yourself that is looking to do a build, build out or you're a broker that represents uh, retail tenants that potentially would need require a build out. Or if you're an investor and you're looking to buy, acquire a property to, you know, potentially have, you know, restaurant tenants on site, uh, this, this will be a valuable uh, discussion. But uh, first off, Jeff, welcome. Good to see you again. Thanks. Good seeing you. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. Jeff and I do another podcast called the Commercial Real Estate Academy. So I, I talk to Jeff pretty much all the time. So <laughs> yeah, we talk, we can't get rid of you. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no, no. But uh, one thing I would, I'd like you to do that we typically like to do is, is to learn a little bit more about the person that, that we're interviewing. And so uh, I know some people may already know who you are, but having, having some context there would be great. Sure. Hey, I'm glad that everyone can come out and take the time to listen. Uh, I'm Jeff. Uh, just like Raphael said, owner of Premise Construction. Uh, been in the construction uh, field quite a long time now, a couple decades worth uh, of experience here um, from doing, uh, like Raphael said, restaurants to office space to uh, many warehouses and uh, medical dentists, that such thing. So, um, yeah, we started, I started in uh, residential uh mainly uh doing subcontracting and then i went into uh, started building homes uh, and then that kind of led me into uh more commercial because that was around 2008 uh with i'm sure a lot of you know it's where the housing market started taking a turn um but uh yeah that that led me into the commercial construction and i uh been going strong in that ever since so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he, and he's had a variety of different roles around, you know, in his background, you know, he's, he used to build yeah. dental labs. He's had some international experience. So he does provide a lot of unique context to, to the discussion of, of, of construction. Um, so, you know, as, as we mentioned, you know, one, I'd say one of the focal points and the people we're talking to right now are business owners. So, you know, there's business owners out there that want to start a restaurant. Maybe they've been in the restaurant business for a while, maybe in a management capacity, or, you know, they've gotten to, you know, teamed up with some, some friends or other investors to, to, to build a restaurant or start a franchise, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, there's also brokers that do represent uh, retail tenants in particular restaurants, um, you know, local chains, national chains, and then investors. So, you know, obviously if you're investing in shopping centers, the the tenant mix is over time has has evolved and now obviously more and more uh you know restaurants are starting to become more prevalent in strip centers and that sort of thing so it's it, it, it's a benefit to those individuals to kind of have this discussion but to start out i wanted to kind of focus on the restaurant owners side so as a restaurant owner if i put that cap on and i start touring potential sites because you know you get calls as a broker sometimes saying hey i would like to see this place and and, you know, maybe it could be a good fit for me. What are some of the things that you need to look out for um, in a space 
to make sure that's going to be actually work worthwhile for you. Is this an, an existing restaurant owner that you want or a, a new restaurant owner? Let's start with a new, just because, you know, I think we had talked offline with Philip on, on the call that, you know, I think there's, there's certain, you know, if you're an experienced restaurant owner, a lot of times they'll walk through a space and they already know, like, you know, yeah. for the most part, what sure. they need to get done. So I think ha having that context would be helpful. Um, so a new restaurant owner, you, I, I can't stress this enough, planning, planning, planning up front. Uh, you're going to have to know as much knowledge uh, with any architect, any contractor that you select. Um, and it's a variety of things. You know, you're looking at your a type of all your equipment that you might need in your kitchen, your bar, your point of sale equipment from security. And then it goes into you'll need all the knowledge of ADA compliances, health and safety. But when you're looking, if you put all that as a whole and you're looking into that, the best thing for a new restaurant owner is to look to see um, how much that you're looking for size of a kitchen, what you're actually going to do. And you can start basically on the back of the house. Um, and that starts with mainly mechanicals. So do you have enough power to put a full kitchen uh, inside this restaurant? Uh, then are you going to have a bar area? If that's so, are you going to have enough power to do that? Plus you need to look at water pressure in your, uh, what size lines that's coming into the building um, and then see if your HVAC is large enough to now add a lot of equipment that's going to be adding heat uh, to recirculate that. So I would start with the mechanicals, the meat of it, the back of the house. Um, and the main point uh, I would start to figure out is, okay, what kind of kitchen do I want? Am I doing a full service kitchen um, or do I just have a couple of fryers and I'm just doing like appetizers because that's the type of restaurant I want. Then once you start from that, then you can say, okay, now do we want a bar in this or there's not going to be a bar? Um, and then from there, you can plan out, do you have enough space for your dining dining area? Um, and once you start putting into your dining area, now you got to start thinking about health well, safety compliances with egress. Um, can everyone get out in case there's a fire? Can everyone get out in case there's just something that happens? Uh, can they get out quickly, safely? uh to the sidewalk to the street uh from there so you also need to look at that if you're putting in um it's 30 people uh in a dining situation or less you need at least two egress uh situations anything over that uh, to pass uh, codes and regulations i would say try to get three if there's possibility or figure that into okay well now i've got to add an additional egress to uh keep everyone safe. Um, then it comes into, do I have enough space for the ADA compliances? Are they going to be able to, you know, uh, someone in a wheelchair or a walker, will they safely be able to come through here once the space? So it goes back to square footage. Do I have actually enough space in here? Um, yeah. And then also for the new one, uh, a lot of times if you can go into a space um, and maybe have your architect with you or even a contractor, they can actually give you and help you, uh, you know, with site selection if they're willing to do that. You might have to pay a small fee, but like I said at the very beginning, it's planning, planning, planning. So you may pay them a, a couple thousand, you know, $3,000 to do this, but at the end, you probably are going to save 30000 
Yeah, thanks, John. And there's definitely, uh, don't forget about fire sprinklers, especially mm -hmm. in the kitchen area. They're around the hoods. There's fire suppression as well. Uh, and then, you know, everyone needs to be safe. Uh, so you have to point into that aspect. Um, uh, sometimes you can get into a space that uh, is what they call grandfathered in um, that may have been something similar to it in the past where they allow you to uh, actually not have sprinklers. Unfortunately, and, and that's in some states, I know Kentucky is finally getting away from that, which I'm grateful for. So now they're actually putting in the correct fire suppression systems that are needed in all the areas um, for that. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's great. Great point. And, and, you know, you had alluded to a few of the, the mechanicals of the kitchen. I think one of the inhibiting factors for a lot of restaurant owners is they don't really understand this, this, the, the cost of associated with building out a yeah. kitchen. So, you know, even now, like, on my end with, with a lot of these uh, QSR and retail tenants that I have for, for restaurants, you know, we're looking at second generation spaces and, you know, as costs continue to rise, they're going to become more profitable or more sought after, I should say. And second generation, for those of you guys who don't know, is, is existing restaurant space. So you could reconfigure the kitchen if you need to, um, but at least the major mechanicals are in place and you can maybe utilize those existing structures to operate your establishment. Um, but in a situation like you had mentioned where there's a build out involved, a lot of times that's not included within, you know, the space and you have to build your own kitchen. And depending on if you're doing full service or, you know, if you're going to be frying on site, you know, there may be certain requirements on, you know, grease trap size. And, you know, then you have the, the, the size of the hood, depending on how many, have, how many burners you have. If you have a bunch of burners, you're obviously going to have a wider hood. Um, so again, there's a lot of, uh, things to consider um, regarding that, um, at least in, in our experience, for sure. If One little thing that you could do, it's kind of like a tip or trick, is basically kind of sketch out the area um, and then actually draw in some walls and try to figure out your layout because you got to also think of one layout for customers and two layout for your staff. Because after all, a restaurant is a service business. So we got to make sure that you can, you know, their servers can access the food quickly do they have their own little prep station to finalize meals before they get them out? Um, is the kitchen workflow, are you going to have enough space for that? Can a chef or a, a sous chef work around inside that kitchen and produce the meals, especially when you get on very busy nights? So, um, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And also, you know, you had mentioned, you had alluded to a few things, uh, ADA compliance and everything, but also mm -hmm. for, bathrooms i know I, again i i know that for different municipalities it's different so i can't speak to yes. other municipalities but once you start getting a certain amount of seating you it requires more than one bathroom so we've we've toured sites in the past where you know a restaurant owner may say oh yeah I, I i i can see myself fitting like eight tables here and it's like well actually you can't because you only have one bathroom here so you'd have to either add a bathroom to be able to get that and even then you'd have to get a fire marshal to walk through and make sure that you know you you don't have any issues as far as a capacity sakes concerned. So, you know, I, I know that, you know, you had mentioned the, the fire marshals and other, other regulatory, um, you know, health inspectors, et cetera, involving them in the process when you're looking at spaces. I, I mean, afterwards, especially when you have your plan and everything ready to go, at least you have an idea of how many seats you can get in there. And then it's a math equation to see if you can make it work, you know? Um, yeah. So I just also want to state too that uh, Kentucky is a little behind on the codes and regulations. Uh, so anyone listening, uh, any other state, uh, we are behind 
Uh, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, this end of this year, 2024, we're going to jump to that next level. Um, I'm hoping they've gotten away with 2022 uh, last year. They changed quite a few of uh, the rules and regulations and codes and and, and increased it. So uh, they're slowly going to the newest uh, codes and regulations. So, but yeah, I can't, again, new restaurant owners, planning, planning, planning. Uh, you need to have an idea of what you're looking for as far as your restaurant. Like, what's the plan? How's, how's the flow going to work? So that's yeah. awesome. No, that's great insight. So, so let's say that you are going through the process. You've, you've made your, you know, you've, you've understood, you know, what the potential scope of work is. You identify a property that you think would be a good fit. And now you're going through the process of securing bids to get a feel for what it's going to cost you to, you know, manifest your, your vision. What, it, what would you say, um, would you recommend when, when you start dealing with contractors to, you know, determine their, their efficacy or how, how, you know, how good they could potentially be? Well, I first want to start out back up just a little, mm -hmm. if you plan, plan, plan. So this is now you actually have blueprints for your restaurant and you're ready to go. So you can give that out that way. Um, if once you do to go through the contractor selection, they do have, where they are be estimating apples for apples uh, within this, you know, the scope and the blueprints. So I wanted to point that out prior to, start the contractor selection because I know that does um, help out contractors at the very beginning if you have those already taken care of so and and that involves so the blueprint involves you speaking with an architect and you know they yeah. may they may bring in an engineer to confirm some things is that correct yes and uh, a lot of times uh architects will lean on hood installer uh, hood companies that install like kitchen hoods if you need one um, so that company will also need to be involved prior that way they can start planning and drawing out their kitchen designs and laying out the hoods and everything else. Uh, and this is all prior, like I said, planning, planning, planning before you even start to select contractors. Um, with that being said, once you get all those people in order, then you can go to do contractor selecting and, and really you need to ask simple questions like, do you have any restaurant experience? How much knowledge do you know actually about restaurant construction? Um, it goes back to as well as you could ask them, do they know about the bar equipment? Do they know about kitchen equipment? Have they ever had any experience with that? Um, then it goes to, again, POS systems, uh, fire suppression. That's a big one. Um, ADA compliance, health and safety. Dude, I would go through and make a list of those items to check off to see what they have um, and then e even yet you can go and actually see their work um, if they've done that they have restaurant experience i'm sure they finished one or two around in your area where you can go you know sit down eat uh, maybe ask to speak with the owner and see uh, you know what renovations they did uh, in the particular space uh, that way you can put your eyes on their actual work uh, and get a feel for the owner and how they work and communicate it. Uh, that's a big one. Um, then once you kind of get all that and, and know which ones that you're going to pick, um, then that's when uh, you really need to have a, a few meetings with them before you select the final selection. Uh, first is just kind of meet at the space uh, with the blueprints, kind of walk around, talk. And you can kind of get a feel for that person if they're looking at 
like I was saying earlier, layouts for customers, layouts for, and they're keeping your best interest for your restaurant in mind. Um, for instance, we had, I had one uh, restaurant owner, they wanted me to come look at their space. Uh, the architect drew all this out and I wanted them to walk out their daily and weekly uh, plans of what they're going to do within the restaurant space. And so come to find out, they had an, a, a really bad access to get their pallets of food um, and their means to get through the restaurant was very, very narrow. So now we had to go in and add wider doors uh, and, and widen the hallway just so they could get that all the way through the restaurant without an issue quickly, um, you know, because sometimes they might have a delivery very first in the morning and they need to get that in the cooler or the freezer as quickly as possible. So uh, things like that, if, if they start asking questions uh, more in depth, uh, especially about your restaurant in particular, you know, what, again, the, the layouts of it, um, what are you actually going to do on a daily basis? So that's, that's one of the things I would definitely um, ask them. And then you can kind of get a feel um, before you leave. Uh, I can't stress this enough is actually ask them like, where, how long do you think this estimate's going to take uh, to get back before you guys receive it? And then uh, once you finally receive the estimate, say it's a couple of weeks, and they got it back and you've looked it over, um, actually take the time and, and call the contractor, go through it, um, the estimate, speak to them about what they're doing here. How detailed is it? Is it explaining everything in that one particular line item? And line item spacing is just uh, if they're going to do demo or if you're doing framing, um, running all the mechanicals, uh, what are they doing here? What do they calculate? And then definitely take the estimates as well if you get two or three and compare them uh, and make sure that the, the people that you are that you selected actually are bidding the same exact thing. What I mean by that, they, you know, one big indicator is somebody that's missed a line item that the maybe you have three and the other two have actually um, have on their quotes, but this third one does not. Um, was that a mishap on their end or does it go back to the experience part and they don't actually know what they're actually doing? Uh, it would definitely take a phone call uh, and, and to discuss that to figure that out. So definitely. So you're so so as far as the the, the checklist items to, to are concerned is that you you really want to sit down or, or talk to uh, several contractors that have experience in the restaurant space, ask them for copies of their work, go buy the restaurants, get a feel for it because this is going to be a big capital investment for you. So you want to make sure that you know the quality of the work is solid and they they do know what they're doing. And like you said, speaking with different business owners that have gone through that experience, I'm sure a lot of business owners. Would probably be willing to talk to you about that, you know, especially if you're serious about, you know, doing something similar yourself. And then once you get to that point, you know, um, uh, walking through and, and understanding whether or not that's that the, the way the the blueprint and layout works is, is is sufficient for what you're trying to do, and then comparing the the quotes once you receive them. And one of the one of the things that I've had several of my clients in the past say is like, why is it taking so long to receive these estimates? But what people don't understand is that. You know, you know, as as a general contractor, you have to work with subcontractors. You have suppliers that you're pulling product from, and you're trying to get up to date information. All this, all this, you know, 
on all these things. And so a lot of times it's, it's, it takes time to compile an accurate quote that is, is appropriate based on what the scope of work is. So it may take a little while to get back, but, you know, hopefully, you know, depending on the scope of work and what, what, what the build out looks like, you know, it, it'll be relatively, you know, comprehensive. And so that's, uh, you know, what, what insight I can share on that front, just through having dealt with you and others. So, you know, and on that, I'll add to that. Um, like on my end, I'm spending maybe an entire 30 to 40 hours just on your estimate by making phone calls, uh, submitting the plans to all the subcontractors, uh, talking to the suppliers and setting up dates. And then the, the added factor of we still have some material supply issues. So now it's, uh, okay, my normal supplier doesn't have this. Can I go outside the state or across the country to figure out um, how we can source this material as quickly as possible. So um, don't think that if this is a, when it comes to restaurant, it is a, um, a, a complicated machine essentially that, that needs every part before it'll run smoothly. So I would definitely say uh, uh, two or three weeks um, would be a good indicator. And that way you can uh, kind of budget out your timeline when it comes to receiving those back. Um, and then I would say another week to uh, make the phone calls with the contractors. So a good month total from looking at, um, well, four, four to six weeks essentially, cause you're gonna need a couple weeks at the beginning to select your actual contractors. But it, it hopefully that helps you out with your timeline. I know people try to put a timeline together and some people say they could do it quicker than others. But if you space it out like that, um, like I said in the beginning, planning, planning, planning will, save you so much time in the long run um during the, during your renovation no that's some great advice so now we're at the point where you've selected a contractor you've said okay this individual is the one i'm going to be utilizing uh what are some of the hurdles that they face as they go through the process of you know getting the the project completed one of the things that i want to point out is when you get an estimate back for your restaurant renovation. Um, hopefully they show their experiences. Another one point is they actually add in contingencies to their estimate um, because you know we can't look through walls. I can't look through a concrete floor to see what's underneath there or above a ceiling if it's uh, no access above it. Um, so there's always going to be these unforeseen variables. Um, so I, I would look, uh, to see uh, when it comes to that, well, you know, where they're at, but definitely no, for sure. So, so as far as the, the, the process is concerned and, you know, I know this because we've, we talk on a regular basis, but, you know, as yeah. you're going through the process project, you know, what are some of the, the, the issues that you've sure. had in the past with, you know, things happening during the project? So a few of the issues is one thing I want to point out is communication. This is so a restaurant, owner and their contractor you're almost going to be speaking daily um and it seems uh crazy but there's a lot of little changes that can happen quickly um off the plans uh that can curtail the whole project so now say your three months is your estimated timeline for finishing and now there's a change uh or a change order and um that that'll curtail not only money uh, but the timeline, it, it stretches it out. I know uh, once you get in there and, and you're a new restaurant owner and 
you're going and, you're, and you don't think about something at the very beginning, uh, we all do it. We're all human. And, uh, you know, you're a month and a half into your renovation and you're, oh, I forgot to do this. Maybe it's a food prep station for your employees that's going to have before they run out to your customers. We don't have room for that or we didn't add that into the kitchen layout. So that's going to make create a change, but that's also going to create a domino effect with your time, your money. Uh, and not. so, uh, like I said before, I can't stress enough, uh, planning, planning, planning up front uh, before you even pull the trigger and get a contractor in. Um, you know, once you select them before you pull the trigger, I, I would take some more time to plan with them and get an actual schedule that they think they can get this completed. Uh, but then also remember that uh, that schedule, if they run into those unforeseen circumstances, it is, is going to prolong. So it could be one week, it could be a few days. Uh, I mean, it could be a whole month. Um, I know I did a brewery um, here recently and they have got held up because they needed a certain um, water heater that they needed just for their brewery equipment and you know supply chains issues so we've been still waiting on getting this uh hot water heater for them to uh complete their project um and that's been pushing them out we got them open they're running fine they just aren't brewing at that particular location this is they have a, another location that they're brewing out of but um just things like that has happens and again i can't stress planning 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 um and then the, it goes back as well is the scheduling, uh, hopefully they use a scheduling that is uh, ever changing that you can actually look at. Um, I have a particular one that I use um, that will change when a subcontractor might run into a hiccup on their end when it comes to their supplies um, and you and you have to calculate all those variables in. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things. No, those are the, I mean, those are the big ones. And I, I'm sure that's, you know, something like you had mentioned, even even the example of a food prep station, if you don't include it within the layout, you know, if it may seem like it would logically not be a huge deal. But if let's say in the kitchen, there's not enough space to include it, and now you have to move things around that could affect, you know, uh, you know, work that you've already completed, and maybe whatever you wanted to include, maybe is on back order. So now you have to wait for, you know, the material to come in before you can actually, you know, install it. So you know, like you said, doing the planning up front and getting really, really clear and making sure you you check all the boxes and and is, is going to be way, way, way more important um, than, you know, just kind of getting going. Right. Because I know a lot of yeah. restaurant owners get really eager. It's like, oh, I just want to open the restaurant already. And it's like, yeah. well, if it's like measure twice, cut once. Right. So measure, yes. so spend the extra week or two or three or how long, however long it takes to get extremely clear on how you are going to approach the problem and involve professionals like architects, engineers and contractors that have experience in restaurants so that they know all the things that could go wrong. So when the plan's put in place, the variability is very low. So hey, take a couple minutes so you can jump ahead an hour, you know, essentially yeah. uh, just. I know uh, you have money on the line and, and you're waiting for that, but if you can just take the moment um, and realize that you're actually going to make more money because you're going to, if you plan this week out, you might save three weeks of time. Um, and that's, everybody's going to be happy. All the, the general contractor will be happy. All the subcontractors will be happy because there's not a lot of changes uh, that are being made um, throughout the project. So that's awesome. 
So what, one of the questions I have that kind of stems off that is now you've, you've gone through the project, you, you know, you've been in, in communication with the business owner, the business owner has been, you know, readily available to, if anything had to change or modified, you were able to get that finished. Now you've gotten most of the work done, right? You pulled permits, you've done all the work, you put it, you put up your, you know, your stamp on, on the space. What are some of the things you need to do to get, get open? You know, obviously this may include, you know, inspections, et cetera. Like what are some of the things that, you know, need to happen in order to get open? Uh, so you'll need your CO. Um, and in order to do that, um, you're going to have to get the health inspector in there to walk around and see if there was anything missed. Uh, you actually need to get your fire marshal to come in there. Um, and then your city officials and by means of your inspectors, all the mechanicals and all that. And once you have all those boxes checked, you can then get your CO. Um, but in my experience, uh, once you get that CO, um, try to plan out a week or two um, to get all your employees in line, get running, uh, work closely with your contractor because there might be some hiccups in there. And that's where you can fix these in that week or two uh, before you actually have your opening. Um, so everything will run smoothly just first day as soon as it opens. Uh, I can't stress that enough to, to give yourself time to uh, don't just jump, hey, we got our CEO and tomorrow we're opening. Because uh, you're going to run into a lot of headaches. Um, I had a restaurant owner actually do that, um, and I was. Uh, they had some incidences when they were running things, and uh, I was actually in the back while the restaurant was open. And I can tell you that uh, with hot grease going everywhere and uh, just the the chaos of a restaurant in the back end. Um, it wasn't a pleasant experience for anyone. The chef was mad at me. Uh, the owner was frustrated. Um, and if they would have just taken that time again um, to work out those kinks prior to fully opening, uh, that, that they would definitely save a lot of headache for sure. Yeah. So the dry runs are a real thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's why a lot of restaurant owners have soft openings. You know, they yeah. they they do the the soft opening. They invite the close family and friends and whoever else and they they test the processes out you get your yeah. staff in in there you know you 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 work through like a normal quote unquote rush to get an idea of who's going to be doing what and you know get everyone on the line and you know roll out you know the the, the proposed menu that you're going to be having and get feedback etc so that you can get ready for opening and again that extra week or two or three it takes you to get open fully it's going to be well worth it because again, you're trying to make a good experience. You're trying to make a good impression the first time around, especially as if you're not an established restaurant, right? If you, if you have, you know, a more established franchise and whatever else, the, the process is already in place. But if you're, you know, in a, you know, a newer type of concept, it's one of those things where you really need to make a good first impression. So. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. And, and, and lastly, what I'll go ahead and do just on the, the contrary side, just before we open up to Q and a, I'll go ahead and ask. Uh, so, you know, as far as people wanting to learn more about the process or any type of resources that may be um, beneficial, what, what would you think would be an appropriate? Um, so I have a blog on my website. If you guys have some overall questions um, it's premiseconstruction.com. Uh, you can go on there um, and read the blog about our, renovation costs, timelines, uh, and yeah, there's there's quite a few information on there. If it's not on there, uh, you can actually call. I don't mind answering questions um, from afar. Uh, 
doesn't mind at all. I'd rather it work smoothly for you and get your restaurant open. And I know that you put out a good product uh, and yeah, you know, it'll make me happy to make you guys happy. So you can actually, um, and yeah, uh, so on. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can write that down. Not a problem. Yeah. And we'll, we'll include his contact information in the, the show notes as well. Um, so we'll do his website contact information and email as well. So you guys will have access to all that information. Um, so yeah. what I, what I'll go ahead and do then is I'll, I'll just open it up to Q and a actually, before we do open it up to Q and a, did you have a question that you, that you would hope that I would have asked you that maybe you, I didn't, and you wish I did. Um, well, the existing restaurant question, mm-hmm. uh, restaurant owners, um, there's a couple things there. It's a lot of restaurant owners want to remain open, which makes perfect sense because you, uh, you know, you keep producing money, get your regular customers to keep coming in. Uh, but there's a drawback to that. Um, there's a chance that your quality of food um, or service might lack because you're in a renovation project. If you have half your kitchen line down, you're not going to be able to produce everything that's on your menu. So now you got to back it off. Um, and also the renovation costs will cost more uh, because most of the time during those situations, uh, you're not going to have a contractor working during your normal hours. Uh, so you'll do off hours work. It might be late nights and stuff like that. And contractors charge more for that. And uh, if you close and if you are a restaurant owner and you do close, uh, benefit is it will be completed faster. Uh, and your service, you know, it, it won't be subpar to what it would could be um, if you just remained open. Definitely. And then the, a drawback, uh, some regular cut worse issues that I see is some regular customers may go somewhere else, but if they're loyal, they're going to come back once they're open. And then the last one is the money that you won't make money during that time. But if you look at it, the timelines that it will take uh, if you work all those for a shorter bit, stint of time, um, you actually make more money in the long run at the end. Um, and there's also phases. There's phases of work. So a contractor can maybe just remodel your kitchen and that's possible. Um, and that way you're only closing a couple of weeks. And then maybe three or four months down the line, you want to remodel your bar area or your bar back or you want to remodel your dining room. Um, and you can do that in the short stint. So uh, there's lots of options for that. I just wanted to point that out for existing restaurant owners. Um, and also one big thing is don't wait. If you're a restaurant owner, don't wait to renovate your restaurant because at that end, there's so many repairs that are needed. It's actually going to add on to your uh, bill. Um, the average, they say, is five to seven years that you need to keep up uh, with the times that you need to remodel your restaurant. And it could be simply as just giving it a refresh, changing uh, wall, flooring, uh, lighting, that thing, uh, as simple as that. So, but yeah. Sure. Great advice. And, so what, go, what, what, I'll go, what I'll go ahead and do is we'll open up to q unless you had something to say. I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. No, no, I, and if you are a restaurant, existing restaurant owner, your clients are your customers. And if you have, uh, regular customers, it doesn't hurt to ask them what they would like to see this restaurant transform. Some of them might say they want it to stay the same, but in my opinion and all the restauranteers that I've worked with, that's uh, that's death to your restaurant is staying the same. 
Uh, and it could, again, it could just be a refresh. And then also don't forget your staff. That's very important. Uh, they might have an idea that you haven't thought of and they've been dealing with and they just been dealing with it because they enjoy working for you and not. But if it would, you do a simple little add a point of sale at the middle of the restaurant where they could walk over and do that or uh, where they could uh, a staff uh, server closet that's really close to, you know, half all the way across the restaurant in the dining room where they can access that stuff quickly, get it to the customer. Um, and then get back to the kitchen to grab the food. So, but yeah, functional layout, like a more improved functional layout. That's awesome. Correct. Good point. All right. So what we'll go ahead and do is we'll open up to Q and a. So if you guys are watching this on uh, live, feel free to type away in the chat box. Uh, if you guys are on zoom again, feel free to feel the type away in the chat box and we'll go ahead and uh, request, you know, we'll, we'll re review the, the questions as they come. So, so John says, don't forget about sprinklers and other fire protection. You know, we kind of touched on that. You're right. It's it's extremely important, in particular with in a restaurant. And, and if you're going to be utilizing grease, like like frying, obviously that becomes even more of an issue because grease fires are extremely dangerous. <laughs> so yeah. um, the right the blog. Uh, so uh, Swan asks, can you write down your blog, please? So it, it's it's www.premiseconstruction.com. Is that correct? your website yeah if you and it's on the blog your blog's on the website right yeah it'll it'll if you click the sidebar it'll actually say blog and it'll take you to the restaurant cool uh, yeah and we'll, blogs, and, we'll so. and we'll include that in the show notes too it will include his website so if you guys are watching this on youtube if in the future then obviously you can watch it and if you are on podcast format it'll be there as well so so column says um another thing that is really worth keeping in mind when opening a restaurant is staffing it is indefinitely harder to find uh, solid staff now when compared to three years ago. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, yeah. I, all my restaurant clients have, sa have said the same thing. It's very hard to really staff and find reliable, uh, employees. Like you could probably find a body, but it's harder to find, you know, reliable employees that, you know, really take, take, uh, pride in what they do. So it's unfortunate, but it's just the way we currently are operating. All right, Philip says, uh, when building out, I was told the landlord will re reimburse some of the build-out costs. How does that work? That's a great question. So that is actually typically worked out before you even um, sign the final lease. Uh, this is what's known as a tenant improvement allowance. So usually, in order to incentivize a tenant to move into a space, sometimes a landlord will uh, allocate a certain dollar per square foot amount to towards build-out costs. So just to take an, an example uh, that's, that's simple math, so let's say that you're looking at a 5,000 square foot space. Uh, you may, your you and your agent or whoever would be able to approach the landlord and say, "Hey, we're willing to sign a 10-year lease at this rate, but we want you to provide us with $50 a square foot in tenant improvement allowance." What this would equate to is you multiply the $50 a square foot times the total space um, uh, size, so that would be 5,000. So you essentially get $250,000 reimbursed to you once you've finished the the work. So a lot of times what will happen with tenant improvement allowance is that they'll either distribute it all at the end once you submit receipts or they will just they will issue draws. So once 50% of the work is complete, you provide the receipts to the landlord, they'll reimburse you for that amount, and then they'll 75%, 100%, et cetera. And it's all negotiable on how that's uh, issued. Um, and they'll reimburse you up to the amount of the tenant improvement allowance. So, you know, again, this is all negotiated on the front end. Uh, I will say if it's a you know, very desirable area where, you know, there's a lot of demand to be there. I mean, again, landlord concessions may not be as strong, 
But then again, if, if, if for some reason you, you do provide a compelling reason as to why they should sign you as a tenant, like, you know, strong personal guarantors, long-term lease, high lease rate, you know, you can typically, you know, negotiate something like that on the front end. Uh, also just can always to keep in mind, a lot of times <clears throat> they'll landlords will try to amortize some of the, the cost over the lease term. So if they're advertising a rate of like, you know, let's say $30 a square foot triple net, then, you know, they may say, okay, well, because we're giving you 200 grand in, in build out costs that we're going to re reimburse you, essentially, we're going to bump your rent to $40 a square foot. And that's going to stay that way until the money's paid back, essentially. So there's different ways to structure it. It's all based on negotiation. And, you know, there's a lot of factors to consider, but I hope that answers your question. That's kind of a high level overview. Now, let me check. Uh... I'm going to it better myself, Raphael. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah. So Kim, Kim says, uh, fair point. Uh, restaurants typically attract better employees by providing health insurance. So, yeah. 100% agree. I couldn't agree more. That's a big one. Uh, I know some of the restauranteurs attracting employees is uh, offer a, a shorter um, schedule. So instead of work, having them work, you know, five days a week, they maybe only work two. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's <laughs> kind of a nightmare for scheduling purposes for the manager. However, uh, you can get good quality employees that way because some of the people that want those two nights, they work a full-time job, but they need some supplement work so i mean that's how you can get uh maybe some potential employees uh, at least that's what they've been doing here in kentucky uh, i'm not sure and it depends how, on the ever, oh go ahead yeah. i'm sorry jeff no, no no go ahead it just it depends on the concept too because you know I've, I've i've worked with i'm working with a client right now for example that that they most of their sales come from liquor so they're they're like a karaoke concept type thing so they may have you know, they may have finger food, but more than 50% of the revenue is coming from, you know, drinks and everything else. And so their hours of operation typically are, you know, their peak times are from Thursday to Sunday max, you know, and they're usually open in the evening. So, you know, staffing wise, they, they're not going to need as much as maybe a full service restaurant like a Chili's or some of these other larger brands that require several servers. You got bus boys, you got front of house, back of house, you know, so you're talking a lot of moving parts. So. Again, I agree that it's just something to consider. Some of the uh, restaurants that aren't uh, high scale, they're just, you know, restaurants, uh, they've been going to uh, self-serve type food where um, you order at one point, like from the waitress, and then there's a pickup area and you actually go get your food. So that requires less staffing um, if, if you're doing it that way. So, yeah. I think, I think a, was it McDonald's who just released the, the fully automated restaurant? Yeah, they just released McDonald's the first is, one. Yeah, fully automated. So, uh, I think some that's actually going to help out regular serving restaurants. Even though I think in Japan they have a a serving robot that they're that they started uh, in their restaurants in Japan. So, staffing like, might not be be an issue for uh, the next few years. So, yeah. Well, they have conveyor belts. I remember we went over there, yeah. and my gosh, it was like 2018 now. But they had little conveyor belts where they put like the food, and it would just come out to you. They have a little, like a little kiosk and just put it there and it's like you pick up the food once it I mean in, in my opinion uh I mean servers I kind of like that interaction yeah. um that kind of that's whole point of going to the restaurant in my opinion but if you're 
looking at a machine, I, I don't know if that would help, but the innovations are coming. Uh, whether we stop it or not, it, there's going to be in some restaurants, that's for sure. And McDonald's is the first one that uh, the full kitchen is robotic. Uh, you order on a screen and it basically, it's like a conveyor belt. It brings it out to you and, you know, your order's here and you walk up and pick it up. So, yeah, definitely. So Sean, Hey, Sean, he, he says, uh, remember to think about acoustics and noise mitigation during the design process. It's easier to tackle pro potential noise problems when the drywall is still off, yeah. still off the studs or joists. Also includes sound absorption in your finished rooms. Noisy restaurants are typical these days due to open ceilings and various hard surfaces. Good point. Very much so. Uh, I wanted to add a little to that. that that's a great point. Um, a lot of time architects uh, don't add that into their submission when it comes to kitchen and restrooms. Uh, so if it's anywhere else, uh, soundproof insulation inside those walls would help greatly. Um, but I know that some of these restaurant owners have, like I think what you're asking in some of the rooms are hard surfaces that they actually have uh, what they look like artistic paintings, but it's a soundboard that they've been hanging up instead of like a real piece of art. Uh, to help with those situations. So yeah, yeah, that, it, it, great point though. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're right. And, 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 you know, obviously now with a, I mean, this is probably a 20 year thing over, you know, over the last 20 years, but the whole open concept and, you know, breweries obviously have become, you know, very, very, you know, sought after. And, you know, there's different ones popping up all the time, it seems like, but it's very much an open concept, you know, concrete floor, you know, open tall ceilings and just kind of, you know, tables and you can kind of sit where you want. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So any other questions? I want to make sure that we've answered all the ones that, you know, are pertinent to the discussion. Okay. Well, it looks like you answered all the questions, Jeff. Um, First off, I, I mean, obviously, I appreciate your time so much. Uh, you know, I know you're busy and working on several different projects. Um, but, you know, if people wanted to, you know, get to learn a little bit more about what you do, maybe if they're, they're local to Louisville and they're looking to undertake something similar, how, how can they get in contact with you? Um, I would actually just go to my email. It's jeffwalston at premiseconstruction.com and send me an email. Um, the only reason I say that, if I give you my cell phone with the host spam and you're in a different state and it pops up, uh, a lot of times I won't answer the the spam calls, uh, so I might miss your call. Um, but if you tell me what you're doing and, you know, if I, I can take the time and I'll give you a call or email, whatever you prefer uh, back. But email would be the best course of action. That way I can see it uh, uh, when I can, when I can. Uh, so, yeah. And and I'll even say, you know, I, I know, obviously, you mentioned people outside of our like local market because there's certain re regulations and stipulations that are not going to apply to where you are located yeah. compared to where we're located. But the cool thing is that, you know, Jeff and I do the podcast uh, and we've interviewed people all across the nation. So we talk to people literally everywhere. And, you know, if you're located in Atlanta, I'm sure we know people in Atlanta. Uh, if you're located in New York or wherever, we could probably get you in contact with the appropriate party to get your questions answered. So. Yeah. Um, that's, that's on both. Uh, edges of the sword in construction and or the you know the commercial real estate to, to help out either way um either one of us would be more than happy to help you out um, i know a lot of other contractors in other states that's how i keep 
on top of my game here in Kentucky. So cool. Well, thanks guys so much again for stopping by. Uh, again, if this is guys your first time, we actually do this every other week. So in the next two weeks, we'll have another uh, speaker to talk, come by to talk about a, a different commercial real estate topic. Uh, feel free to come back and engage. Uh, if you guys are going to be watching this on YouTube in the future, feel feel free to like and subscribe. It makes a difference. And if you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, obviously it'd be greatly appreciated for you to subscribe and, and leave a five-star review. So thanks again so much for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you all next time. See ya.